What is up? And welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. As always, my name is Jeremy Rushing, and as always, alongside me this week, my partner in crime, contributor to SodaSoccer.com, and co-host of this 10,000 Pitches podcast, Mr. Dominic Jose Pizzonio. Dom, how you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. There's a a lot of lower league stuff happening this week that we'll be talking about. Certainly a lot of talk about with Minnesota United. So looking forward to uh, getting into it. And all the while, we got a CCL championship game That's ha- happening <laughs> while we're recording here. So, yes, a lot to get to on the podcast. Uh, before we get into that, though, if you could, please subscribe. So, uh, you know, let's, you know, when we drop a new podcast, you know, you can't just count on the weekly 10,000 pitches podcast being nice and, you know, for you to check out every Friday. We also have bonus interviews that we post. We have post loons after every Minnesota United match. So it just puts it right there in your feed whenever we drop a new episode interview or, or post game show. So make sure you subscribe so you get all that. And also, if you could leave us that, leave us that rating and review as well. Let's let us uh, know what you think of the podcast. Um, episode 90, Dom. The big nine zero, just 10 away from 100. Um, I keep talking it up like we're going to do something cool for the 100th episode, but I know for a fact that I'm going to forget about it. And then it'll be like three days before the episode and you'll be like, oh, crap. We sh- we, nothing happened. So no. I, I want to try to get something cool together for the 100th episode. Don't quote me on that, though. Okay. Got a lot going on. I'm getting married in 17 days. I, you know, there's, there's lower league now happening on top of Minnesota United. There's just so much happening in life in the world right now. So, um, but yeah, the 100th episode would be cool to do something uh, fun for that. So hopefully maybe we can do something uh, there. Uh, so we're about 10 weeks away from that, but yes, episode 90. Um, one thing I forgot to mention, if you're not following us on the socials, uh, please do so at soda S O C. Uh, Twitter is definitely where we're more uh, active than the others, but we are on Twitter and or, uh, Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, getting into the headlines here, though, Dom, uh, we're going to start with Minnesota United. And the top headline has nothing to do with their match against LAFC on Sunday, has nothing to do with their upcoming match against FC Cincinnati on Saturday, has everything to do with the departure of one chase gasper yes just before our recording here it was made official there are reports um earlier in the day but it was made official by the team as of wednesday evening chase gasper has been traded to la galaxy and in return minnesota united gets four hundred fifty thousand dollars of gam that's general allocation money um and then Based on performance, if Chase reaches certain performance standards within the club, those are unknown at this time what those standards are. But if he reaches those, they'll get an extra, uh, up to an extra $300,000 of uh, general allocation money as well. So 750 k of allocation money on the table, quite a haul uh, for MLS standards in 2022. And there's a lot of conflicting opinions on this on social media. Uh, shocker that there are conflicting opinions on social media, uh, in any, in any case, any, any realm of, of life. But, um, you know, there are some people who, who, you know, they think that Chase is a really good, valuable piece for this team. I don't disagree, but the way I look at this Dom is I think Chase coming back to the squad, um, found himself in a backup role 
Kamar Lawrence has been playing really well. You also have a left center back in Bakai Debasi who can play left back at a pretty high level if called upon to do so. And so Chase is in a bit of a weird spot. Could he have earned that starting spot back and, and shown out and been the Chase Gasper of 2019 and 2020? Sure. Uh, but he was your second stringer right now. Whether you agree with that decision or not from, from Adrian Heath and from the technical staff, Chase Gasper is your second string left back at this point. And so you got to look at it as, you know, where can we create value? Where can we get allocation money back? Um, Gasper was a, a, obviously, based off the return, a pretty valuable piece for this club. All in all, I think it was a good piece of business for Minnesota United. What say you? I think I agree that what they're, what they're getting for him is a pretty suitable return. Like the, the, the business of the deal is is yeah it's uh very acceptable um mm-hmm. and and is the time i mean we we've seen the team do this not recently necessarily but um we've we've seen the team do well with these sorts of moves in the past with a couple of the pieces um mm-hmm. so in that sense very good i understand the concern because this team has proven uh very susceptible to injuries that yep. you know, people automatically have those, you know, and and of course, it doesn't help that the narrative literally a week ago was a defensive player having a season long injury, you know, so that that that's in the mix, that's on people's minds. I understand that 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 is probably a lot of people's feelings, and obviously, uh, Chase was up until recently kind of a, a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also get your point at the end of the day there's so many players that could be playing that position. He wasn't going to be starting at least in the short term. You have your, you have Lawrence and Debassi. You also have like guys that you can throw in there, like the, the Fishers and the Taylors of the world and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's one of the, it's one of those difficult ones where I, I, you can make the argument to keep him. I don't think it's a huge mistake to sell him. I think that as long as, everyone that needs to be healthy is healthy. This is a move that can benefit the team. It's obviously sad to see a player go, um, especially when they've been with the team for a bit and, uh, and have been through some, some things with the team and have been part of that community. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Lawrence looks like he's set to, to be the starter with the team. There's other options as a backup. And, and yeah, I, I definitely can understand their decision to sell him. Um, and it's, it, I, I suppose the question on him is whether he's going to be starting for the Galaxy either. Yeah. But but that's not necessarily the concern of Minnesota United. From Minnesota United point of view, yeah, I think this is a, a pretty smart move. Yeah, I'm not sure what their defensive situation is like at outside back um, from just the general social media response I've seen from LA Galaxy supporters and fans. Um, sounds like he might be more of a prime depth piece than uh, than an odds-on starter. Obviously, as he did with Minnesota United, he could very well play himself into a starting role right. or earn a spot through injury or, or other circumstances. But to that point... For all the reasons we've mentioned, Dom, I do think this is a great move for Gasper individually as well. Um, he's has familiarity with California. He's played at UC. He played a bit of his college career at UCLA, um, and it sounds like from the report uh, that Tom Bogert put out later today, and 
Um, you know, what we've heard from Andy Grader during the day as well. This was a very much a mutual parting of ways here uh, between Minnesota and Chase Gasper. I think Chase kind of saw, saw the writing on the wall with where he stood in the pecking order upon his return. Um, there's nothing to indicate that there was any ill will there. I just think it was maybe uh, one of those situations where this was the right move for both club and player. Um, and hopefully, you know, as long as he doesn't do it against Minnesota United, um, I, I, I really, really hope that that Chase kind of shows out in L.A. and and proves himself with one of the obviously the most uh, uh, decorated clubs in MLS. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I think I well, I shouldn't claim to speak for everyone because obviously there's so many different opinions in any fan base. But I think that, uh, you know, he'll he'll go down as as a player. Everyone remembers very well, very positively, uh, you know. He, he showed a lot of grit and ability and maturity to fight his way into that starting spot he eventually earned with the team, obviously originally mm-hmm. coming in from the Super Draft, and uh, showed a lot of, lot of uh, determination on the field, earned, earned a reputation as a tough player, and, and you know, helped the team to some very, very positive moments and good runs. And, yeah, I think he'll be remembered well by the fan base as a guy that really tried and really – really put the effort in um and yeah i mean unless uh unless the next time minnesota played the galaxy like scores a hat trick or something i think everyone will like him for the foreseeable future and have good memories of him so um mm-hmm. yeah like you said he's got a little bit of a connection to the area and and hopefully hopefully he um ends up happy and well where he is and at the end of the day that's probably what matters more is just that everyone ends up okay so We'll see. Also, shouts to our friends on Twitter over at MNUFC Insider. They had the original scoop earlier today saying that Gasper was set to be dealt to a fellow Western Conference club. Um, it was not too long after that, that about the same time, Tom Bogert and MNUFC Insider followed that up uh, with a confirmation that the, the talks were pretty in-depth with LA Galaxy. So, um, they were the first one to really publicly report anything. And um, they're always th- those MNUFC insider Minnesota's 11. Um, those two accounts are really, really on the ball with, with scoops and breaking news and sort of uh, putting out information. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the Igna- uh, Ignacio Gutierrez signing for MNUFC too. They were the first to report that as well. So um, a lot of accurate reporting coming from those sources. Um, and, and they followed it up with another, another great day for them again today. Um, always, an, always an account. If I don't see it come across my feed, I'm always, always an account. I'm checking pretty much every day on Twitter to see if anything's breaking with the loons. Cause they're usually on the ball. Yeah, it is funny. Those, uh, like you listed a couple of them there. There's a couple more, but those, uh, those accounts are, they, they've got some really good sources. I don't know who they talk to. But, yeah. It's like, are um, they someone's brother or something or, a sister yeah, right. or, or you know, are they, yeah, I don't know where they're getting their information from. I want to know. Is, I want to get those is scoops. Is MNUFC Insider Tom Bogart's burner account? Like, what is going mm, on? <laughs> there we go. Let's start that. Let's start that. Love it. Love it. But, uh, maybe the yeah, call is coming from inside the house. Donna. Ah, there you go. There you go. I'm is it, maybe it's Adrian Heath. Who knows? But anyways. <laughs> but, Let's not uh, go any further with that. With that record. <laughs> but, yeah. But uh, yeah, good on them, though. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's get into, unfortunately, uh, some results that we have to uh, discuss for Minnesota United. Um, first real 
Um, I, I shouldn't say first real dud of the season. There was a there was a match against Austin that was played a couple weeks back. Uh, also on FS1, by the way. FS1 and the Loons, just not a not a good combination this season so far. Um, Loons lose 2-0 to LAFC on the road on Sunday night. Their first loss in three matches in all competitions. Um, they were on a pretty pretty good streak leading up to that, but um, they could not keep that up against LAFC. And this was a match, Dom, that saw a lot of a lot of back and forth. Minnesota United looked really good early, especially with their high press. It was like for the first 10 minutes, LAFC literally just could not play the ball out of the back at all. Uh, but Minnesota did not capitalize on those opportunities that they were given. And eventually, when you don't capitalize on early opportunities against a team like LAFC, they are going to wear you down enough where they're going to take advantage and uh, and and find a way to put the ball in the back of the net. If they don't do it in the first half, they're going to find those opportunities in the second half. And a team like LAFC is going to take advantage of those. And that's that. That was really the story of the game from an LAFC perspective. They they weathered the, the Minnesota United storm. They came out in the second half, um, the better team on the front foot. Um, and got those two second half goals. And that was, that was really all she wrote for Minnesota United. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, like you said, it did become uh, a bit of a siege in the sense that LAFC were truly not, not waiting because they were trying the whole game to, to score, but waiting for a prime period to, to find the goals. And, and once they did, they, they kind of secured themselves quite quickly uh, mm-hmm. in the winning column. Um and, and and look, you know, we talked about in the lead up to this game about how at the end of the day, this was always going to be a tough one to get points out of. And therefore, it was a good way to try things. So, I, you know, I think it's an, and, I, and I don't think we were the only two people thinking that. And I think it's important mm-hmm. to keep that in mind. Sometimes people say stuff like that. And then when the experiment goes badly, they go, what the hell was that? It's like, well, yeah. it was an experiment. Uh, so experiments don't always work out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this experiment actually worked out better than people are saying it did, but I agree, obviously, that losing is not what you wanted to have come out of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's a lot of every angle, every opinion about, um, the attacking changes that were made, of course, with having essentially that, um, Fonwane load, uh, then Lottie front three start this game and then having Amaria and Fragapane sub in and uh, gosh, what was it? The 65th minute, something like that. Yeah. Um, essentially a reverse of what has been done the last couple of games. But a lot of opinions about all that. Um, some of which, I mean, many of which certainly had, had points uh, to make in, in that debate. I think that, well, I don't want to jump ahead too too far ahead in the conversation, but I think that what we saw against LAFC has earned at least a partial continuation of the experiment into the next match, mm-hmm. uh, being the Cincinnati game at home. Um, I thought, like you said, there were some really promising periods from the attack uh, that, that started this game. Uh, every member of the front line had at least one shot on target or not on target. Sorry. One shot. Um, some of them were on target. Um, and uh, you know, we did see that, that energy, that, that quickness, that 
we've liked when it's been used as a substitution strategy. Mm-hmm. But to your point, they did not find the goals the way they have in those other games. And I certainly think that the fact that they're playing that way late in a game as substitutes is probably part of why they get so many goals mm. versus starting the game. I will say, however, so I, I know that that is a reason to perhaps lessen the hype around that front line. And that's fair because at the end of the day, it didn't work out the way people were hoping it would. At the same time, I, 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 I if, I don't. It's it's a funny thing. I don't think that that front three um, did themselves many favors in terms of you know obviously getting a goal, but I actually think that how they looked, in my opinion, was improved by what happened when they left. Because the only thing is, I know it didn't go great the experiment, but the the moment Amaria and Fragapane came on, everything felt worse. Yeah, considerably worse to the point where the team actually didn't have a shot after they came on. The team. Not Amaria. The team. Yeah. So, you know, I and, and I don't blame Heath for bringing them in because, again, it's an experiment. What happens if you do it this way? I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. But it didn't work at all bringing them in as substitutes it actually actively destroyed the offensive presence of the team so i I, it it leaves me with a lot of question marks about what you what that means for this next game against cincinnati and and we'll talk more about that but i uh as much as i know some people were disappointed by the that performance from the from von juan adelati etc i the disappointing note for me was that amaria had a great chance and and fragapane had great chances to really prove something as substitutes that game. And I thought they were the ones that dropped the ball the most of the entire team. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W. had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let him know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. No, I, I completely agree. And you're absolutely right. The energy and just the overall danger dangerousness of the team if you will completely changed when that substitution was made in the 64th minute um and to your point i i do think that we saw some really good things from that front three in the first half as well we talked about sort of the first really the first 10 15 minutes being all minnesota united but you don't take advantage and and get a goal and you have to wonder 
if you are are pressing and you have that energy and you're have that sort of front footedness in the 68th minute or the 78th minute as opposed to the eighth minute and the other team maybe has more tired legs does that make a difference in you actually break uh, excuse me breaking through in those scenarios right right um and I, I am also agree with you, and I do not blame Adrian Heath for doing the inverse of what he's done, because you think, okay, maybe we've sent the message to Amaria now. Right. You know, you're not, you're not gifted the spot, right? The spot is not, you're not entitled to this, right? This can be taken away from you. Um, and just nothing. Same with Fragapane, really nothing. Yeah. Um, after that substitution was made. So I'm really interested to see how Adrian Heath manages this next match and who he puts out there. Um, Bangun Hongwane looks really good on the left. Um, Robin Lud again up top did nothing to I think um, you know mo- you know warrant him moving away from that up top spot. Uh, Abu or, or, and then uh, you had Dunladi on the left, Abu Dunladi on or excuse me, Abu Dunladi on the right, um, who really was. Uh, for all intents and purposes, kind of non-existent in this match. He didn't play much of a major role um, as he's done in the last two off the bench. So I think that I I really would like to see this moving forward, this front three. I want to see them on the field in the last 20, 25 minutes, 30 minutes. And I don't think that happens when you start them. But what do you do at the start? Do you just cut your losses and say, okay, we're going to roll out there with Amari and Fragapane. We know it's not, not going to go well for an hour, but we're going to bank on gathering the goals after we make the switch. Or do you try something new, just something completely new at the start and still bring in guys like Dunlady and, and Bongi off the bench? It's just a very, very... Yeah. Weird personnel situation for this Minnesota United team right now. What do you do? How do you start? And what do you do to make sure that you're putting in a team in the most advantageous situations for all 90 minutes, right? Not just the first 30, not just the first 45, not just the second 45, not just the last half hour. How do you make sure that you are doing doing right by your team at the start and at the end? And that we we don't know. We know how good the end can be, right? Right, but the start has been really what has hurt this team, and so what do you do to keep the end positive, but also uplift how the team starts? I'm I'm not yeah, I'm yeah. glad I'm not paid to make those decisions. I'm just going to say right. that I do not envy Adrian Heath right now, and no. the, the task he has ahead of him in terms of how he's going to, uh, you know, select his roster moving forward, but. With all that being said, um, yeah, this was a situation where after those substitutions were made, that's when things really, really started to, you know, we, we could see we could see the energy wavering a little bit from Minnesota just from tired legs uh, before that sub was made. But it was just a, a, a deflation after that. And that's where LAFC gets their two goals in the 83rd. Ryan Hollingshead buries one off the corner. Um, and then 90th minute, this time it's Sifuentes in the center of the box on a feed from Palacios to seal it. Um, they really, I mean, LAFC was just getting chance after chance after chance over the last 20 plus minutes, um, just really an onslaught. And they were finally able to um, get that space, get that time they needed um, in those two 
instances to gather those two goals and come away with the win. Um, I don't know if there's really much more we can say about this one. You tried, you tried something new. I don't blame them for trying something new. Um, it, it, it worked in the beginning in terms of like the team really came out with high energy and on the front foot, but they weren't able to scale that for 90. Um, and that's where the question really is, is how do you start and end positively for Minnesota? Because it's almost like you have to pick either or at this point with what we have seen. And that's obviously not ideal. Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, It's a weird one. I, I, I totally get your point that, look, at the end of the day, that load up front style seems to work more um the end of the game but i just don't know my my only concern is i i can see the argument to go back to the to, to the norm for the cincinnati game my only concern is you know, <laughs> excuse me well sorry. yes and, and that's a solution to it my concern is that you know that so let's go back to the chicago game very briefly which obviously Minnesota United won and you know people talking about oh wow this was the game Ray came back this is the this and that none of that happened until those two guys left Mm -hmm. so I just I don't and by the way Cincinnati are doing pretty well right now (laughs) they won today actually they're Um, not the bottom feeders that we've known them to be over their first what four MLS seasons now uh they're competitive they're putting up some results and I watched a little bit of their match with Toronto uh, over the weekend, and and they look good. They grabbed a goal where I, at the time I was watching, and yeah, they're no slouch. So it, it's just a tough one. And yeah, to your point, maybe a guy like Unu or something. You know, uh, the other the other thing the other thing I want to just throw out from the game a positive was while I don't think it will end up being like a, a, a usual pairing because players will be available again, and they and it shouldn't be our default, but. Uh, Ariago Rosales was pretty decent. Yeah, that pairing was not was not bad. And in a game against a worse team than LAFC, probably would have ended up being pretty solid. So that was uh, encouraging to see Rosales's uh, quality and availability with the team. Uh, given how it all ended up going, I was I was largely impressed by his introduction. And I, and I have to say, before he was being peppered with shots over the last 15 minutes or so, Dane St. Clair was having a damn good game himself, too. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Made a few really, really crucial saves to keep the loons in it. But, I mean, at some point, when you put 21 shots on the board for your LAFC, and I believe eight or nine of those were on target, it's it's tough. It's tough for any keeper to keep it, keep keep those out of the back of the net. So, um, yeah, I thought the defensive performance was good. Um, I thought the midfield performance from a defensive midfield standpoint was good. Um, I thought, you know, Reynoso was, you know, not what we had come to see from Reynoso over the last two matches. Um, But at the same time, um, you know, you were trying something new up front and maybe there's not that cohesiveness and continuity that Ray needs with that particular personnel to really play at his best. So, We'll have to see what happens. I do think that you learned one thing from this match, and that's I think you've I I hate saying this eight matches in because I was very, very excited about this signing when it happened. 
I think I might have seen enough from Luis Amaria. I think yeah. I might have seen enough at this point. He seems like um so my fiance and I watched this show. I don't know if you watched Dom. It's called What We Do in the Shadows on uh on FX. Great I've seen show. the movie. I haven't seen the show, but I know you're talking about it's like yeah, it's like the office with vampires, basically, is yeah. what it is. Um, it's it's I highly recommend it to anybody who hasn't watched it, but one of the vampires is not a regular vampire, he's an energy vampire. So he he steals the energy from right. from people around him, right? He right. he feeds off their energy. That's how he. Um, and and I don't mean this to be condescending. I don't mean this to be mean in any way. But I that's kind of the vibe I get from Amaria right now. He's yeah. kind of an energy vampire where he gets on the field and all of a sudden the energy just seems to drop and just seems any danger or any momentum or anything just it doesn't seem to be there. And we talked about the lack of just shots in general from Amaria. Um, you know, you mentioned the shot numbers or the lack thereof after the substitution was made. It just, it's, it's, it'd be one thing if he was struggling, but the rest of the team was still doing well. But yeah. I think the, just the way that front is put together, there just seems to be such a disconnect there still. When Amari is on the field, it just he doesn't connect with anyone around him, and it may be a personnel thing, it may be a, a, a system thing, it may be a whole lot of other different things. But the bottom line is, he's not getting it done, and you have another DP on the bench, who, for all of the crap he has gotten for his quote unquote lack of performance last season, marginally better than what we've seen from Luis Amari this year yeah it's it's yeah it's it's tough and and you know from neither of us this is not you know i'm i'm sure louis Samaria is a very good guy and, and yeah, absolutely I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure he wants to be performing but the fact is that with the exclusion of the two games where he scored goals that were largely created not by him um with the and and we're now a while ago in the season with the exclusion of those two games the attack particularly this last month or so is actively worse when he's there like without question it's the product the the production rather the the behind the scenes stats are better the the visual the eye test better um you just can't ignore it. It's it's just there. I mean, it, it's there enough that it's not just people on Twitter saying it. It's there enough that Adrian Heath clearly sees it and dropped him. So mm. you know, it's everyone can see that there's this thing happened. That that was proven in the LAFC game. Whether or not Adrian Heath's going to say it, the fact that he changed to that other front line shows that he is aware of what's happening. And uh, that leaves the team in a really weird position because now. There's two DP strikers that it's not clear what their future is, and that's very strange and confusing. Um, to your point, though, probably means you should give the other one one more chance to do something. Um, We're talking yeah. one more chance, though, Dom. Like, he has used up all of his leash. Like, I don't yeah. – that's where I don't understand. I guess, I guess like, one more chance 
to prove to show the coaching staff that there's a, a reason to play him because there's mm-hmm. clearly something that they don't they aren't interested yeah. in starting. But yes, I agree that on the when it comes to actual on the pitch performances, there's not really an actual reason to throw him up to the to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows, you know, what they know that they've decided to play him so little. But but yeah, I I think Adrian Nunu certainly should have some sort of spot in the solution to all this. But we'll see. So next up, as we mentioned, Minnesota hosting FC Cincinnati at Allianz Field on Saturday. Post Loons will be back and it's regularly scheduled time and format uh, following that one. Uh, it's been a weird couple weeks here where we've done uh, just the podcast after the uh, Chicago match. And then we did pre Loons ahead of LAFC because of the late start. But we'll be back normal time, normal place, YouTube and Twitter. Um, just just look up Soda Soccer, neither of those. And you'll ever see Post Loons following Minnesota and Cincinnati on Saturday. Um, UFC 2 traveling to play winless Chicago Fire 2 on May 8th. Of course, this is a team that is white hot right now in MLS Next Pro, coming off three straight wins, two straight 4-0 wins as well. Um, they also announced two signings, uh, Malik Khan and Ignacio Gutierrez, both coming to Minnesota. Um, Gutierrez played for um, the same club that, uh, Luis Amaria came from. Um, I cannot pronounce the name of the club. I don't even know if I want to try. It's uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce the, the name of the club. It's but, really a Sarsfield. Sar- I don't know how Sarsfield. they say the field part. Yeah, it's clearly yeah. like a German no. inspiration, but yeah, that club yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> so, um, obviously, some connection there, maybe a pipeline starting between that club in, in particular and Minnesota. Um, but uh, people are very excited about this Gutierrez signing specifically. Um, he has played for the Trinidad and Tobago national team um, and actually shown well in his performances for them. So this is somebody who, while he's signing an in in, uh, MLS next pro deal uh, for the second squad, you know, this is somebody to keep an eye on as somebody who could earn a spot on the first team sooner rather than later. Yeah. And I, I think it was Malik Khan that played for Trinidad and Tobago. Oh or, um, yeah. Or, my apologies. Yeah. Yep. But That's but no, but both of them have have already a little bit of history behind them. That is very encouraging for sure. Um, yeah, for Khan to have international experience is obviously huge for uh, for this level. Most most MLS Nets pro players barely have professional experience, let alone international experience. So mm-hmm. great, great there. And, and Gutierrez, yeah, there seems to be a lot of hype around him and 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 his uh, early steps in the game. Uh, he was a, a relatively new to, to Sarsfield in terms of a, a first team player, as far as my understanding goes. Um, so, you know, still has a lot of growth to to go about, but hopefully Minnesota United too can be a big part of that. And for all the negativity that, you know, is around Amaria right now, um, having the fact that they're both from that club is, is that's a, that's, that's a good club to be recruiting players from. It's a big team in Argentina, not one of the big, three or four per se, but um, one that is very competitive, wins trophies every now and then, and, and certainly a place to be looking for talent. So, um, yeah, I really look forward to seeing how they adapt to to MLS Nets Pro. And considering how good that team, Minnesota United 2, I mean, already seems to be, uh, I can only imagine that they will help them get a little bit better. 
All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us, and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at Night Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista, I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at Night Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at Night Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at Night. 9th Street MPLS, that's 9th and Street, both spelled out. N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google or visit their website, 9thStreetMPLS.com, just like the uh, social handles, N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at 9th Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South 9th Street, Minneapolis, or online at 9thStreetMPLS.com. Now let's go over and talk about forward Madison. Um, it's been a rough start for the Mingos. Um, suffered their first loss of the season, but they have not won a match yet either. Um, this one was a 1-0 loss to Central Valley Fuego at home at Bree Stevens Field. Another terrible weather game out in Madison. There was actually a 30-minute weather delay um that delayed the start of this match um if you remember the the madison minnesota match uh that was nothing compared to what they uh what they encountered in madison on sunday there was a tornado watch thunderstorms another situation you could barely see what was happening on the pitch if you're watching at home because the camera was you know wet the entire time (laughs) um and kind of a stinker of a match to watch too uh ford madison Really was not able to generate any. They generated a lot of chances, twelve shots, but none on target. And then uh, in the uh, second half, or excuse me, this was in the first half, um, you give up just a very, very weird goal where goalkeeper Phil Brano comes way outside of the box to uh, clear away a Fuego clearance off a corner, and he just mistouches the ball, a um, little bit of a heavy touch. And um, ends up right in the pocket, right in the in the foot of a Fuego player who, from about 40, 45 yards out, um, is able to get it past the uh, the Madison keeper um, into the end of the goal. And that goal was the difference in the one nil win for Fuego. And so this actually drops Madison. Now again, we're just a short way into this young season, and there are some teams that haven't played the same amount of matches, but. This drops Madison to the bottom of the USL League One table, not where you want to be after four matches. Yeah, I, I you know, we um, at times have talked quite a bit in the offseason, particularly about uh, obviously the transition that the team has been going through with the coaching change and the, just the large scale staffing changes. Um, I don't think uh, uh, zero three and one or zero one and three whatever people prefer start uh is what they would have had in mind with the drastic shifts that were being made uh like you said obviously very early they could easily dead in a winning streak and very much mm-hmm. change their 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 fate but um it's much better to start better so uh yeah. 
consider considering the that there was clearly enough clearly enough um desire for change from how things ended last year to have all of that happen and all the changes be made and then start this way is is a little anticlimactic um and that that rests on the on the staff and the players to figure that out because i mean this you know we talked for a while now how about how this was a big season for forward madison to determine what kind of team they were going to be on the pitch there's been a lot of determination about what kind of team they are off the pitch and that's great mm -hmm. But we see a lot of teams that do a great job of that part and not the other part that fade over time in various ways. Fade, you know, there's a lot of different ways to fade. But um, at the end of the day, it's still a soccer team. <laughs> so that, that's, that's still got to be the, the main deal. And, uh, you know, it hasn't quite been there the last couple of seasons the ambition that you would assume based on everything else. So again, still a lot of time, still a lot of time to fix all that. But considering the, the eyes and pressure that were built onto this season, not the, not the start that you would have wanted. Um, and unfortunately, uh, quite a bit of it's happening at home as well, which isn't very helpful. So we'll see um, long road ahead for Madison, but uh, they, they, they've got a, figure things out quickly before the season really starts to get out of hand. Yeah. Mention the 12 shots, none on target. That's not a, a rare occurrence for Madison this season. Um, they're really, really struggling to get quality opportunities on goal. Um, and we've seen when they, on the rare chance that they get those, they put them in the back of the net. So um, I think that's what it comes down to. A lot of, a lot of cross and pray or shoot and pray from outside the box um, no real dangerous chances being generated by the Mingos right now in the attack. Um, and that's, uh, I think, been their biggest Achilles heel so far. So um, obviously something specific to um, look into and uh, try to work on as they move forward. Um, they will now travel to Richmond on Saturday for another edition of the Henny Derby. Um, if you don't know what the Henny Derby is, uh, there was a Ford Madison podcaster, not me, uh, Kyle Carr, who actually bet a bottle of Hennessy with a, uh, a fellow podcaster for Richmond uh, in the very first meeting between uh, Richmond and Ford Madison back in 2019. They bet a bottle of Hennessy on the match, and the team sort of picked that up. And uh, now it's uh, that match is referred to as the Henny Derby. Um, and they've raised a lot of money for charity through the Henny Derby um, over the first uh, few years as well for local uh, YMCA and YWCAs. So um, just a really, really cool concept and there'll be another another edition of it on saturday now here's the kicker though richmond top of the table in usl league one right now ford madison bottom of the table in usl league one so um you know you could view it a couple ways you could view it as like you know another uh you know another big time hill to climb for ford madison or you could view it as a huge opportunity to turn the tide and make a statement and uh, get momentum going in your direction but either way should be an interesting one for the Mingos as they move forward on Saturday. Um, let's transition to talk lower league now, Dom, though. Um, and the USASA Region 2 Amateur Cup is still off and running. Um, United Serbs of Wisconsin will head to Illinois to take on RWB Adria, Adria, not exactly sure how you pronounce that, um, in the third round. And then also in third round action, Vlora will be uh, hosting Bavarians. 
Um, and that is set to be played this weekend. I believe Sunday is going to be the uh, the date for that one. So um, two big matches to kick off the Amateur Cup. Obviously, the lone Minnesota club, Vlora, still in it. Um, and a big, big match in uh, you know Northland soccer as they host Bavarians. Yeah, for sure. Um, still still some Minnesota-Wisconsin representation, which is great. Big opportunity for Valora to make a little bit of a statement and, and obviously make that next round get a little revenge on Bavarians who've taken some some big results off them in the past. Um, really interested to see how that game goes. Uh, and, and also United Serbs, a uh, very his, historied organization in uh, eastern Wisconsin. would be interesting to see if they can put together a run and have uh, the winner of the Bavarians Valora match, and then the win- and then United Serbs perhaps both kind of carry the banner on deep into the tournament. But um, yeah, would would be really cool to see Valora have uh, you know MASL success, UPSL success, and then uh, USASA Amateur Cup success all at the same time. That would be really remarkable um, from an organization that's clearly trying to trying to fight the fight from all fronts. Um, but yeah, glad that that tournament's still going to be represented in in the area in some way, and uh, hopefully it hopefully it stays that way all the way to the final, and we have some some really cool performances from Minnesota and Wisconsin teams. You can check out Dom's recap of UPSL opening weekend now at SodaSoccer.com. But let's switch and run through the uh, the scores from the opening weekend for the UP- UPSL Midwest Conference West Division. Austin Villa got off on the right foot with a two 0 win over Granite City. Uh, Vlora edged uh, uh, also a newcomer uh, alongside Austin Villa at Basua. Um, Vlora edged them two to one. And then Dakota Young Stars and FC Minneapolis put on quite the affair over in Sioux Falls and ended up being the host Young Stars coming away with a four to three win against FC Minneapolis. And then tonight, as we're recording, a few finals in um, Austin Villa once again uh, impressing with a five nil win over Rochester. So if you're counting at home, the first two matches in Austin Villa's history uh, combined 7-0 on the scoreline. So um, good vibes there, good things happening uh, in the beginning for Austin Villa. Um, you had an Ebisua and Granite City match, which we've not been able to find or get a final from as of the uh, time of recording here. Minneapolis City Futures. This is a team that has gained a lot of cont- uh, attention and interest because of the way that Minneapolis City has sort of shuffled around their their process and their structure. Um, so their UPSL side is now will be made of uh, players from the futures program. And they came away with a win in their first match, one nil over Brooklyn Knights. And then Vlora uh, dominating Maplebrook with a four nil win. So a couple of undefeated sides and or a few undefeated sides, I should say Austin Villa two and L Vlora two and L. And then uh, obviously you have Minneapolis city, uh, coming away with that first win as well. Um, we talked last week how we expected this to be a pretty competitive conference. We're only, we're not even a full weekend. We haven't even had some teams that have even had matches yet. But I mean, you're seeing a lot of one goal edging score lines here, but also, you know, for teams like Austin Villa and Vlora, you know, some statement wins for them as well. Yeah, it's been a really interesting, uh, I was to say two weeks, technically it's only like five days, but uh, really interesting opening round. Uh, of games in the UPSL Midwest West. Uh, you, you, like you said, you see some expected powers, like the Valoras come up big uh, and, and, and take points right away. Both games wins, one of which on the road. 
Uh, shout out, by the way, in, t- in tonight's match against Maple Brook, which, um, as far as I know, ended 4-0. There were a couple minutes left before we started recording, but uh, the third goal was was uh, scored from about the halfway line. <laughs> wow. It was, it was like a big arcane, you know, the goalkeeper had come out quite a bit. Um, that one was pretty wild. But, uh, yeah, so anyways, uh, you know, Valora looking very competitive as expected. I'm sure Minneapolis City will end up being so as well, um, obviously winning that first match. Uh, but yeah, then you got some kind of wild cards, you know, Austin Villa, new teams, very small area. You don't really know what to expect from teams like that. And they've absolutely dominated the first two matches. Now we'll see what happens when they play the Minneapolis city futures or the, the Loras and, and so on. But they've certainly given themselves a very good start to build off of, uh, both at home as well. We have to wait and see what they look like on the road, but um yeah so really interesting starts from all over the league looks like it's going to be a very entertaining year looks like the dakota Dakota young stars are going to be an interesting team to watch Mm -hmm. i've seen minneapolis lost that opening game but they still scored three goals uh you imagine that means that they'll also be a team to watch so uh yeah a lot to be excited about definitely as as we have new teams coming in old powers still vying for some silverware and uh really really interested to see how how it all messes together Taking a quick water break here to tell you about our good friends over at Stimulus Athletic. And when I say friends, I 100% mean Jason Mora has been supporting 10,000 pitches since its infancy in the summer of 2020. And he's continuing to provide us that support with SodaSoccer.com. And I'm proud to say he's become a good, good friend of mine. Jason used his experience as a pro all over the country, including right here at Minnesota United, to help him launch a company that can provide quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices to clubs and teams at all levels. This is a Minneapolis-based company doing great things for local, nationwide, and even worldwide clubs. Minneapolis City, Joy Athletic, Flora, Dynamo St. Cloud, Tulsa Athletic, the American Outlaws, and even the Anguian National Team all use Stimulus to outfit their club with the jerseys, game gear, and apparel they need. And Stimulus can do the same for you and your club as well. It's pretty simple. Just head to StimulusAthletic.com, start a conversation with their amazing team, and let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's StimulusAthletic.com. The excitement continues this Saturday. More action in the UPSL. Newly rebranded Turbo FC hosts Cody Youngstars. Ebisua um, hosts Rochester. Uh, Granite City makes the trip north here to, uh, or I guess that would be southeast, uh, to uh, take on Maple Brook. And then uh, Brooklyn Knights and Vlora tangle uh, as well. Um, But also Saturday, we get the opening weekend for the NPSL. And uh, Dom has a piece up right now at sodasoccer.com. Sort of, or I guess if it's not up by the time you're listening, it'll be up later this morning. Uh, It's going up at about 10 a.m. on Friday. So I'll be on the lookout for that if you are listening early to the podcast. But um, all eight Clubs in the NPSL North in action on Saturday. You have Joy Athletic hosting Duluth there at Oriole Stadium in St. Louis Park. Um, Med City taking on the Cross Heiress. Minneapolis City making the making the short trip to Brooklyn Park to take on the Twin Stars. And then Sioux Falls. It's the Dakota Derby to kick things off as the Sioux Falls Thunder take on the Dakota Fusion. Very, very interesting year ahead in the NPSL, Dom. Uh, specifically in the NPSL North. Um, we're anticipating probably the most competitive conference race that we've seen in quite a while. 
with teams like Duluth and Med City and Joy uh, specifically really upping their game. Dakota Fusion, we've mentioned as well, um, getting some good players in from D1. So, I mean, this is this is going to be a very, very exciting year, to say the least, in the NPSL North. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it's funny. I uh, when I when I went to write my preview, I hadn't necessarily. I had thought a lot about how I thought the season was going to go, but I hadn't necessarily planned out uh, a full prediction list. And then as I started looking at the factors, started looking at what club had done this, what club had done that, the player pools, etc., coaching changes. Uh, I really think this one's up in the air. I don't think that the MPSL North has been as up in the air as it is this year, uh, maybe since it started. Um, obviously, Minneapolis City are, are the historic powers in this mm-hmm. conference, but uh, they are about to, to take on one of the more ambitious experiments I've uh, ever seen done in yep. uh, this level. And that it's hard to deny that that will probably affect things. And that opens a sort of Pandora's box of, of, of what that all means, particularly because, as you said, a lot of teams coming into the season a lot stronger than usual. Even, you know, Duluth, I, I mentioned this in the preview, Duluth this season, bringing a lot more continuity in, in the back half of the pitch than they have in years mm-hmm. um, with, with proven players. Uh, you know, you have uh, Dakota Fusion bringing all these D1 guys. You got Joy Athletic with all these young talents that now have a year of experience in this league. Med City are always going to be competitive. Um, Sioux Falls, less certain, but who knows? You know, they, they're always a competitive side. Twin Stars back in it. Again, always a competitive side. It's going to be a really interesting season. Uh, all four of these opening games are going to be interesting. The only one that is like, clean cut probably know what's going to happen is is the med city Eras game but even then interesting way to sort of get an early read on what med city are going to be like um but twin stars minneapolis city joy duluth sioux falls dakota fusion those games are all huge i'm not sure and uh mm-hmm. how those go are going to really help shape i think how we how we picture the rest of the season and and i think we could even get some early hints about you know title competition from those so um yeah, really excited to have this season back and uh, really excited to see how this all plays out because I genuinely have no idea how it's going to play out. And I mentioned that in the preview. It's a well-thought-out well preview, but I, I, I acknowledge that it's a, it's a guess. We really don't quite know what this is going to be like, which is actually very exciting. All right, Dom, in lieu of a top four, go ahead and give us a rundown of how you think the MPSL North is going to shake out. All right. I. I, I know some of this comes off as hot takes, but I promise I have reasons for everything I put here. I did put Duluth first. Uh, I think that one, because Sean Morgan was such, so good as a coach last year. I was very impressed. I think now that the, the freshman year uh, uh, challenges are gone, I think he, especially with that returning back line and goalkeeper, are going to have a lot of potential. I think Med City is going to take second um because i think that they are primed to take advantage of anyone dropping off from being the top two they've done that before they do against duluth in 2019 they they don't always get the headlines but med city are always consistently just almost right behind it you know that 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 best mark Uh, i see them getting second this is where it gets a little hairy i think joy have a genuine shot at taking third 
I think that the one main problem they had last year is to, was that the vast majority of their player pool had never played in the NPSL before. That's not a problem anymore. They now have experience. They still have some veterans, but they got a lot of young guys. They know this league a lot better now. Uh, I think Minneapolis City could take third, but I had them on fourth because I think that they're going to do well in USL League 2, but because of that, they're going to struggle in the NPSL more than they will in the UPSL because the UPSL has the futures program to back it up. Um, the NPSL, in theory, does not. It's mostly going to be the same general type of player that would be playing USL League 2, and, but they're not going to be because they're going to be busy playing USL League 2. And uh, I just think that you're not going to see the same strength that you normally would. I think I, I just as a to address the immediate reactions to that, I'm saying this article, I think in five years, they're going to be back to dominating all three. But I think right now, year one, this is a hell of a thing they're trying to do. And I just think that it's going to come up with some backfiring. Um, and then I have Dakota Fusion because just the talent pool the brain is too crazy to not give a decent spot. Twin Stars, Sioux Falls and Eris. Most of that's self-explanatory. I think Twin Stars and, and Dakota Fusion are going to have really good sides, but they're going to have some issues. Dakota Fusion squad almost has zero experience in this conference. That's going to be a problem. Twin Stars, a lot of interesting players, but uh, a lot of younger guys, a lot of guys that haven't necessarily played at this level before. If they have, they've played for a while. They're not necessarily at, the, at their prime. Just don't quite see a squad there that's going to be better than those top four. Uh, and Sioux Falls and Eris, I think, are kind of self-explanatory, but uh, yeah, that's what I got. All right. Now I'm going to run through mine, Dom. Now, I have Minneapolis City at the top right. for a couple reasons. First one being, just right off the bat, Ric Flair said it best. <laughs> to be the man, you got to beat the man. And uh, Minneapolis City have definitely been the man uh, as a team in the MPSL North over the last few years. Um, so that's, that's, that's A1. They're their top until somebody knocks them off. For sure. Second, though, I think with the way this structure is set up for Minneapolis City now, I actually think the NPSL side could be the side that actually benefits most and sees the most short-term success from this for two reasons. One, I think you get the trickle down from the USL2 roster. And I think contrary to your opinion, Dom, I actually think that the trickle-down that they get from USL2 will provide them greater quality than some of their uh, competitors in the NPSL. But also, I think they're going to get the biggest boost from that UPSL side under them, that Minneapolis City Futures side underneath them. Because we saw last year how many Futures players actually made an impact on Minneapolis City 2, but also a few that made an impact on the NPSL squad as well. So we know that the future squad is capable of, of generating talent that can play up at those higher levels in the short term. Yeah. And we saw something similar with Minneapolis City 2 last year in the UPSL. There was so much unknown about how a UPSL reserve side would do. But you, they were unbeaten. In that UPSL season last year, they had one draw the entire year. And a lot of that success was due to the Futures guys who were actually bumped up and joined into that roster that gave them that boost. I think you could see the same thing with the MPSL side this year. Um, I, I think they're sort of in that happy medium where they, they benefit from both angles. Um, yes, there is something to be said for consistency, continuity, co- cohesion, and that could be something that that maybe bites them. Uh, but to me, 
Um, I think, um, you know, if, if any team is going to win a division this year of those three, I think that's the MPSL squad that has the best chance. And that's nothing to, against the, the USL League Two side. I just think it's a, it's a new animal for Minneapolis City and USL League Two. And there's, oh, um, you know, it's it's a jump up. And I, you know, I, I think that they're, you know, a successful season for Minneapolis City and USL League Two, I don't think necessarily includes them winning the division title. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. Uh, but we're talking about the MPSL here. So I have Minneapolis City number one. I won't go as in-depth on some of these other ones. I have Duluth at two. You could almost go 1A, 1B uh, with Minneapolis City and Duluth here, in my opinion. Uh, I think Duluth has built uh, built a roster that they're hell-bent on, on getting over that hump and breaking that ceiling and getting up into that first spot. They have been the bridesmaid uh, for a few years now. Um, they're obviously tired of that. They want to be the bride. Um, and they have built a, built a roster capable of doing so. So um, I'm really interested to see what Sean Morgan's side brings to the table. Uh, this year in the MPSL. So I have them a very, very close second. I don't think you're going to see any 6-1 score lines or anything like that, um, you know, uh, th- this season between the top teams in the uh, in the MPSL. Um, I have Joy Athletic number three. Um, I really liked what they brought to the table in their first season, and I think they will only get better with the more time on the pitch together. I get you lose Emmanuel Eway, and that is a huge, huge loss for this team. Obviously, he's going on a bit. You're happy for him, right? He's going on bigger and better things. But it's really, really hard to quantify what he brought to this team last year. Um, but I, I think just from a from a team standpoint, I think they're building something really good in uh, in uh, St. Louis Park there. Uh, and then uh, I have Med City fourth. I'm going to go Dakota Fusion fifth. Um, I go back and forth on six between Sioux Falls and Twin Stars. Um, cause just because I don't know anything about this Twin Stars team. I know yeah. nothing about this Twin Stars team and where it's gonna. So I mean, i so I'm gonna just for that, I'm gonna put Sioux Falls sixth, Twin Stars seventh, Harris eighth. That's where Fair. I have the MPSL shaking out. Fair. Your thoughts on my rundown, Dom. I I I I definitely see your argument with everything. I think um I, I guess that's to the point of what uh, I was saying earlier is that I think there is as much a chance you're right as there is that I'm right. Yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah. I, I, I think, I mean, Duluth could finish fourth. I don't know. You know, I, it, it, it's, it, this year just feels very primed to be very tw- twist and turny kind of the way uh, things were early on in like 2017, 2018. Um, I see a lot of sides that are very competitive. I see a lot of sides that have at least a mild shot at maybe getting first, you know, if they put together a really good run. Um, I definitely see your point about how the, the multi-league pool could work out in city's favor for the NPSL. I don't necessarily predict it'll go that way, but I definitely see mm-hmm. your point. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that, that's why I, I think, Many people are, uh, you know, excited to have this conference back for 2022 is because it's really hard to narrow down any definites beyond maybe, you know, two or three sides that definitely won't compete for the top two. Um, But for the rest of that table, it's, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. So, no, they don't. (laughs) um, Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun one. And then it's going to be really, and by the way, 
to the point of originally kind of trying to preview those opening opening games the first like two weeks of this season are like huge deciders for the whole year yeah. uh week two duluth hosts minneapolis city you know uh uh i think dakota and, and city play early on in like maybe week three like i mean there's like some big early matches i joy and med city i think play early on as well uh mm-hmm. so like within the first couple of games i think we're already gonna start to see how things are going um but yeah very excited very excited to see how it all plays out 100 um and of course the uh the weekend ends on sunday with minneapolis city's usl league two opener at home at Ador nelson field for a little mother's day uh opener against the des moines menace of course des moines we've talked at nauseam about the you know the brewing rivalry between minneapolis city and des moines uh, defending USL League Two national champs squared off in the U.S. Open Cup a couple months back. I don't necessarily think we can really take anything away from that Open Cup affair because because it was so far removed from the season and neither of these rosters were really built out to full strength yet. It was a very rainy, just kind of weird night there in Des Moines. So um, very intrigued to see kind of the measuring stick here. It's a very big measuring stick game early for Minneapolis City to see how exactly they're going to fare in this conference, uh, you know, based off of how they compete against Des Moines. But it's also a really good opportunity for them to send a message right off the bat that they are there to compete. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously uh, the whole narrative around the Open Cup match they had around each, uh, against each other was that this was in a way the most high stakes preview possible for uh, how the USL League Two season would be going between these two powers. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I asked Matt about that after the game for the, uh, the, the post-match article that, that we did. Um, and, and yeah, he was happy that there were competitive moments and obviously less so for the moments that were less competitive, but um, we already saw in that game, two sides that can hurt each other. And I, I believe I said something along the lines of in the episode after that match that it felt like that game could have ended with any result possible, any pair of numbers yeah. possible. It could have literally been the flip. It could have been a 5-0 for either side. It was, it was sort of a, it was such, such a wild ballistic match that obviously Des Moines kind of got the upper hand in it at the end. Uh, so this match, which of course is in, in, in uh, Minneapolis, is going to be a really interesting opportunity to see the tables turn a little bit. What do they? Look, what do the crows look like at home? Does that change things? Obviously, they've had more time. Both teams have more time to kind of solidify the squad, get people used to each other. Des Moines, of course, uh, played a, another Open Cup match after that against Omaha. They have lessons from that, perhaps they're bringing to the table. And so it's going to be a really interesting reunion now. Of these two teams that uh, that we got to see play each other and uh, how this game goes uh, tells us a lot about how the rest of the season goes. But to your point, I don't know if Minneapolis City you know, need to win their conference for, for this year to be a success. I think they need to be competitive for it to be a success and mm-hmm. uh, certainly get results overall across the season. Um, but there's, there's ways for them to end the year very happy about this, this new journey without topping the, uh, the table. So we'll, we'll see how they begin that journey this weekend. Absolutely. And that will be how we do it or that'll be how we end this week's podcast. I don't know. It's 1027 on a Wednesday. My, <laughs> my brain is mush at this point, but um, that will be how we end this week's episode of 10,000 pitches. Thank you so much for everybody for tuning in and uh, checking us out and supporting our Patreon and uh, just 
doing everything you're doing to support what we're doing over at sodasoccer.com. Um, again, you can check out Dominic Jose Bazonio's NPSL North season preview where he goes in-depth on how he thinks the uh, the NPSL North season is going to shake out right now over at sodasoccer.com. You can also check out our preview this weekend of Minneapolis City's USL League 2 opener. Uh, that should be up probably Saturday morning um, as the uh, the uh, opener game, of course, is on Sunday as well. Uh, we got a match preview for Minnesota United and FC Cincinnati from John Marthaler. Uh, we have a really good piece from Jacob Schneider on sort of the Chase Gasper trade and how that affects things in the Western Conference right now. Um, so just all great stuff and content from all levels of Minnesota soccer. And Dom, I am so excited. This is sort of the commitment we made with the launch of this website that, you know, it's your, yes, there's going to be Minnesota United coverage. And yes, that is sort of the prime beat for sodasoccer.com, but we are fully committed to covering the lower leagues the way that we feel they need to be covered as well. Um, and I'm really excited to sort of, you know, get that started and, and hold up our, our end of that commitment. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, it's great to have the Minnesota United coverage there, and, and that's even a part of this show, obviously. But um, I'm also very glad to have a, a home for a lot of these stories, whether they be match-specific, broader scale, uh, about lower league soccer here. You know, uh, I, I don't know if I would have been able to get the Cheleshi, the Whitney Brown, the Kapod 2 kind of stories out uh, anywhere else. So mm-hmm. that people would have seen them anyways uh and uh you know that that's that's part of the mission and and obviously then that extends to talking about actual specific matches that are happening and 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 talking about the seasons as they progress so yeah very excited to have it all back um and and back to watching back to learning about all these teams and very excited to share what we see with with the readers uh one last thing to touch on people are asking us about you know the kind of match coverage they can they can get from sodasoccer.com i mean our goal is to be covering every in-state NPSL and USL League 2 match um, this summer, along with every Minnesota Aurora match this summer. Obviously, a lot of that hinges on availability, um, you know, amount of writers we can get on board to do those kind of things. So um, we'll do as much as we can. I'll tell you that much. We'll give you recaps. We'll give you previews every week. Um, but match coverage, um, we are going to attempt to to do that um, as much as we possibly can. You'll get Minneapolis City USL League 2 coverage, and you'll get a lot of MPSL North coverage as well, as well as Minnesota Aurora when they get started later on in May. So that's what you can expect from sodasoccer.com this summer. It's going to be busy. It's going to be exciting. And you hope, and we just hope that you uh, come along on that ride with us and support what we're doing. Um, every writer and content creator that comes on board is going to be paid for their work as well. Um, and you can help us make that happen by going to our Patreon, patreon.com slash soda soccer and pledging five or $10 a month, whatever you can give um, to help us out there. All right. Again, that'll do it for this week's episode of 10,000 pitches. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate the time. We appreciate your listenership. We appreciate all the support. And we'll be back again next week for another go around. See ya.